Hey, this is Bradley Weber. I'm the pastor of Release City Church, and this is our podcast. I'm super excited that you tuned in, and I really hope today's message encourages you, gives you a sense of hope, and inspires you to pursue all that God has created you to be. Now, let's jump right in to today's message. Let's, let's get into the Word. Everybody say, let's do it. Are you there? Mark chapter 2. And we're beginning with verse 21. I'm going to read through uh, these, these few verses, 21 through 28. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. It simply says this. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old, and the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts, the wineskins, and both the wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined But new wine, everybody say new wine. But new wine must be put into new wineskins. Then he goes on in verse 23, he says this. Now it happened that that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And as they went, speaking of Jesus and his disciples, they began to pluck the heads of grain. Now the Pharisees said to him, look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was in need and hungry? He and those with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, except for the high priest or the priest, and also gave some some to those who were with him. Verse 27, and he said to them, this is Jesus speaking to the religious people. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. I want to speak to you for the next few moments from this subject. Preparing for something new. Preparing for something new. I asked the question a few weeks ago as we kind of kicked off the direction. This is not a series, but it is a direction we are headed. And I asked you the question, what is in your future? Is there something that God has for you that you've not tapped into? The answer to that question is yes. So preparing for something new. Say that with me. Say, God has something new for me. In this passage of Scripture in Mark that we just just read, what Jesus is not doing here is he's not giving everyone a lesson in wine preservation. He's not giving instructions uh, on how to be a seamstress by not putting a new cloth onto an old garment. That is not what's happening here. Here's something you got to remember when you're reading the scriptures. Because a lot of times we go in and we're like, well, I don't really understand that, so it must not be for me. (laughs) Everything in this word is for you and for me. Something to remember that anytime Jesus starts using phrases or starts talking about garments or wine or, or sheep or goats or fish or pearls, what he's actually doing is he's trying to release a kingdom truth in a language or in a way that those who are listening will understand. Now, I don't know if that means that everybody, that all the guys like to drink wine back then and all the ladies were at home doing seamstress stuff. I'm not really sure, but what I understand is he uses stories and he uses illustrations that would best uh, be received by the people listening, which is why a lot of times I am not your traditional pastor. I don't dress like your traditional pastor. I try not to act like your traditional pastor because traditionalism is a turnoff. 
It's why I will change from the direction where we're going, or I might insert a joke that sometimes you're like, am I supposed to laugh at that in church? If the pastor tells a joke in church, yes, you are supposed to laugh at it. It helps the process. And so it's, it's all about the, the wineskin. I don't want to jump all into my message yet because I need, it, I need to lay it out in a, certain, in a certain way. So the thing you also need to remember about the kingdom of heaven is this. Salvation is absolutely free. Salvation is free to everyone. But it, when it comes to learning and understanding the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, or living in, by kingdom principles, it requires you and I to put in some work. Everybody say, roll them up. You got you to gotta put in some work. Salvation is free. But if you're going to do anything with it, if you're going to live a life that's blessed, highly favored, walk in unexplainable favor, you've got to dive into his word for yourself, not just on Sundays, and let the word of God transform and change your life. Here's what I'm talking about. The Bible says, and you'll recognize this, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, meaning in order to understand the kingdom of heaven, you're going to have to seek it out, which means it's got to be more than just a casual pursuit. The Bible says that God is the rewarder of those that casually seek him. <laughs> Rewind. The Bible says that, that God is the rewarder of those that diligently seeks him. It doesn't matter what you're going through through the week. I'm going to make it a priority to be in God's house. I was so encouraged today to, to see Brother Jack walk in after I got some word of what a doctor said about some things that he is facing. It would have been easy for him to lay up on the bed and, and, and just not make it to church. When you don't make him a priority, you can't get mad at God when he doesn't make you a priority. Hello, somebody. I'm not saying that he, he's not, you're not a priority to him. You, he loved you so much that he died for you, even though he knew you were going to keep on messing up. But what I am saying is when I make him a priority, he, he says, you know what? I got something and for him and I can release that on his life because it means something for him to be in my presence. I wrote it down this way. In order to experience the goodness of God in ways we've never experienced, we've got to seek him in ways that we've never done. If you want something new, you got to do something different. Amen. And that hurts people that come from a religious, traditional background. Amen. And I'll explain. Don't get mad at me yet. <laughs> Touch your neighbor, tell him, say, wait, there's more. <laughs> yeah, there is. Here it is. In this passage of Scripture, Jesus is speaking a kingdom truth, and he's using wine and wine skin. And he's using old cloth and new garment, excuse me, a, a, a new garment, ah, let me get it right, a new cloth on an old garment to, to, to transfer the information that he's wanting those people to understand. I don't know why that would, took me so long to get that out. But there's a kingdom truth that he's trying to get them to understand, and it's where we're going to land today for the next few moments. I need you to lean in heavy and listen well this morning because God is preparing you for something new 
Not long ago on social media, some of you guys will remember, uh, social media was covering it. Um, uh, local news media outlets were covering it, and they were covering uh, the revival that broke out at Asbury College. How many, how many remember that? What took place on the college campus is not uncommon for young adults. And if you remember, I don't care if you are, you know, you didn't like study it, but if you even looked at it, you could tell that it wasn't really organized. There weren't no, there were no lights, there were no smoke, there was no format. It was just kids, students going after God. People all over were traveling to see what was taking place. Many people became skeptical of what was happening, began picking the revival apart. I'm just going to say this. The one thing that I know to be true about a move of God when it happens is you just need to leave it alone. Man needs to take their hands off. Another thing, revival isn't supposed to look like a regular gathering. It shouldn't look like our regular service. It should, matter of fact, it shouldn't look like anything that we do. It should look like everything that he wants to do in us, for us, and through us. The fact is, the whole nature of revival, when it happens, when a true revival happens, its purpose is to crush. I'm going to tie this back into the verse. Its purpose, the purpose of a revival is to crush our wineskins. Let me, let me explain. What's a wineskin? I'm so glad you asked. Great question. Jesus said it this way, there is wine and then there's the skin. What's he talking about? Here it is. Lean in. The wine represents something spiritual. The wine skin is natural. Today is school today, by the way. This, uh, this is, this is going to be different. This is, this, this is setting us up to take us to a place where we can experience something new. The wine, the wine is eternal. The wine skin it's temporary. The wine is God-made. The wine skin is man-made. What Jesus is saying in Mark chapter 2, he's referring to the cooperation between heaven and earth. Let me carve this out a little bit more. Heaven responds to earth. Earth does not respond to heaven. Let me explain. These will not be on the screen, but I'm going to give these to you. Matthew 18, 19 says... Again, I say to you that if two or, or two of you agree on earth, where? On earth, concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them where? By my Father in where? Heaven. Heaven responding to something that's happening on earth. Remember, <laughs> it's the cooperation between heaven and earth. Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or three are gathered together, where? Here on earth, in my name. I am where in the midst coming from heaven to meet with them. Matthew 18, 18. I'm going to back it up a little bit. It says, surely I say to you, whatever you bind where on earth will be bound where in heaven and whatever you loose where on earth will be loosed in heaven. There's a cooperation that happens, but there's a functionality instead of saying, I'm waiting on something from God. No, God's waiting on you to do something so he can match that. 
It's kind of like, Adam, what you just said. I, I was back then, I was listening about what took place last week. $501 came in, and then the church matched that, put a little extra with it, and we gave them uh, over, over $1,000 of gift cards so that they could go and pick out the things that they needed because we already knew that they, that, that they were uh, getting things brought to them. We wanted them to have the opportunity and the dignity to be able to buy the things they want, and then we put some gift cards to Outback and Texas Roadhouse and other places for them to go eat because you don't have a kitchen, you don't have food. And we didn't want them to have to worry about that. They got other stuff to worry about. And that's because of what you guys did, and heaven matched that. So stop waiting on God to do something. It's time for you to put your boots to the ground, get to moving, and watch God, watch God touch what you're doing. Okay. Man, y'all get anything out of this today? Because I've been waiting. I was ready. I'm ready for this. The way that God has heaven and earth cooperating is laid out best in 1 Corinthians 15. I'm not going to read it, but you can go there later in your personal time. But in a nutshell, what it's saying is there was a natural Adam who we know his name was Adam. Remember, there's, there's, the, there's, the, there's the spiritual side and then there's the natural side. So there was the natural Adam who was Adam. Then there's the spiritual Adam who came later. His name was Jesus. Now, the fir- the, the, the first the natural, then the spiritual. First, we experience our natural body. This is what you see. This is what I have to work with. Hello, right? And, but one day I will step into my spiritual my spiritual body. I won't have to go to the gym no more. It'll just, bam. <laughs> that was one of those jokes I told you it was okay to laugh about in church. Okay, some of y'all got it, some of y'all didn't. It's all right. Keep moving on, Pastor. Thank you, I will. What's crazy is we've got, some, we got so many people running around trying to be so spiritual that they don't understand the spiritual things that spiritual things have to fall into or flow through natural things. That's why on Sunday afternoons, I, 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 we attempt to watch a movie after lunch and five minutes in, before the plot's even said, what am I doing? <laughs> you know why? Because something supernatural happened for about, I don't know, a few hours through my natural body. And guess what? That's called the anointing or the presence of God. That's what you're seeing right now. Not just an animated character. That when I get home, then my natural body is like, I'm done. Okay. So, 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 so what, what, what he was trying to get people to understand is, is that if anything spiritual has to happen or flow through the natural, what am I saying? Whenever God wants to bring something into the earth, something has to be built to hold it. This is where, this is where we're going to land today. God, God wants something new for you, but we need to take a look at ourselves and go, am I, am I built to function? To, to, am I, am I, can, eh, 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 eh. what you trying to say? I'm trying to figure that out. But the vessel that he has to work with is he going to pour it into an old wineskin the way it's always been done? The way I watched my dad do it? No, he wants to do something new. And what'd the word say? If I'm gonna give you something new, I gotta put it into a new wineskin. That's why when we changed, the, 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 we, we flipped the name, it was a new wineskin. People are like, why did he change the name? There's lots of reasons why we went from Forward Church. I could go back and say, why did dad change the name from Calvary Worship Center to Forward? It was a new wineskin. Everybody, hold up your arm. If you got a sleeve, push it back. Give yourself a holding pinch. A holding pinch. What is that? What is that? 
It's what? Wine skin. It's, it's a skin. He wants to put something new into this. But we've got we've to we've we've be built up in a way that it, it will sustain us and not crush us. Because what he said was, if I pour something new into something old, the wine would be spilled and ruined, and, so, and then the, and the, the wine skin would burst. If God gave you everything that he has for you right now in your condition, it would ruin what he has for you, and you would burst. <laughs> Jesus. Let me give you this example. Discipleship. Discipleship, becoming a follower of Jesus. That's God's idea, and it was God-made. That's, it, it, it's spiritual. Discipleship is spiritual. Now, are we going to do that through Sunday school that, that we did 40 and 50 years ago that pe- some people still do today, and that's okay? Are we going to do discipleship through our groups, small groups? Are we going to do discipleship on have a Sunday night service or a Wednesday night service? How we do it. Discipleship will never change. God's mind will never change about us becoming deeper and, and, and grounded in our faith and walking in the things of God. That will never change. But what will change is how we do it. That's the skin. Are you following me? All of those things are temporary. They are man-made and they are subject to change. And that is something we do not like. Change. Well, I've always done it that way, brother, and bless God, I'll die just doing it that way. And miss out on everything else God has for you. You'll make it, but you missed out on so much. Who am I talking to today? Because it'd be easy for me to just to fall in line with the way D.W. did it. Coach Weber, Dennis, Pastor. I mean, it's in my nature. Yes, I look a lot like him. I sound a lot like him. I do a lot of crazy stuff that he does. But my skin is different. Stop allowing the enemy to bash on you because your skin is different. There it is. God is never going to change his mind about discipleship and people growing in their faith. But the way we execute discipleship and the skin that we put that into may change numerous times over the course of the years. Let's move on. Worship. Lean in. Worship is God's idea. Matter of fact, it's why you and I were created. Worship is God's idea. It was God-made. Worship is spiritual. God will never change his mind about worship. Now, can we sing out of a redback hymnal? Can we sing from lyrics on a screen? Some of y'all remember the day when we had a PowerPoint and transparency machine. We had to slide the little, the little thing. I remember at our church back in Georgia, the transparency machine sat right beside the subwoofer, and the, the lyrics would be like, do, 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 sliding, and the little man had to sit there and hold the things. That's the skin. Worship will never change, but the skin may change in order for you to obtain all the difference of what God is trying to give you. He's trying to give you something different than what you've always had. One day we're going to have a B3 organ with a brother on it that can go with me. It, It would be dangerous. Because right now, I'm hearing it in my head, and y'all are like, it's quiet in here, but it ain't up here. There's a lot going on. 
The point is, are you worshiping your Savior? It doesn't matter if you worship to Elevation, uh, Bill Gaither uh, Trio, Bill Gaither Mute. It doesn't matter if you, if you worship through rock, rap, and soul as long as you're lifting up the name of Jesus. And I know, I know, I know, I know I'm in the South. I know that disrupts the way we've always done it. But bless God, in order for you to get what you, God wants to give you, he's trying to disrupt and crush your old skin. Oh, I, I don't even know if I can take any more. What are we even talking about this? Why are we talking about this? Because God is wanting to do something new in you and through your life. But in order to do it, you've got to crush your old skin. Take preaching, for instance. Preaching is God's idea. The Bible says that to the world, it looks foolish. But God said, I'll take the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. The gospel being preached to the ends of the earth was God's idea. It's pre- the preaching is the wine. What's the skin? Do I preach from an iPad or do I handwrite my notes? I used to do that. But it, God was giving me so much. I had to, man, I was cramping. I was like, I could be typing this a lot faster. Do I, do I read it word for word and just give you a little eye contact? Do I preach from that stage, this stage, or down here? It doesn't matter. That's the skin. My jokes, do I tell a joke right here? Do I, it doesn't matter. That's the skin. It's the content of what I'm saying. If all I did come up here and just preach something to make you feel good, there's going to be no change. Sometimes in order for there to be change, I've got to, I've got to, I got to, I got to start. I got to, there's got to, you're coming this way and I got to come this way. What you call that? Call that friction. I don't like it. Well, guess what? That's because you're, you're saying, God, I don't want to be moved. If you don't move, he'll move elsewhere. There's still time for you, but he's not going to waste time when there's something. The days, the time is counting down, church. Stop playing church. It's time to be the church. Something has happened to your pastor. I can't, I can't even tell you. The problem is we get so caught up with the skin and what we're building that we forget all about what God is actually trying to send to us. So Jesus told them, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. You can't sew new cloth onto an old garment. What is God saying? Write this down. You can't put a new experience into an old way of doing it. You can't put a new experience into an old habit. And tradition is a habit. I, I, I wrote it down this way. This is another way. I like this one. An old habit can't support a new experience. Because the experience will be ruined, and so will the way I've always had it will be ruined. We want to. Anybody want to experience the favor of God in your finances? We're going to have that financial peace uh, program. I think September is that right? Some, somewhere in there. That's that's going to be coming up. We're going to tell you stuff about that. Listen, if God wants you to experience greatness in your finances, some of you're going to have to build a new wineskin and crush the old one. Some of you're going to have to change some habits. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, if you're not putting God first, that's a habit you need to break because you'll be bankrupt forever. We want to experience the financial favor of God and hold on to our old habits. 
Listen, a move of God that comes into a church many times will burst the skins that are there. Why? So that we will begin new habits. COVID, we looked at COVID as such a bad thing and and all of that, and and I'm not trying to get in there and, and mess around, but I'm telling you, it caused us to change some habits as a ministry. There's some things that we always did that we don't do anymore. I've caught flack for some of that. Because God is trying to position us to a place where he can give us something new and we've got to be able to contain it. See, God is for your family. But me having you up here every night of the week is a strain on your family and your sanity. Are you tracking me? If God is for family, why would he introduce something that's going to cause stress and strain on you when working 12, 13, 14, 16 hours a day? See, my my ears are tuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And just because everybody else is doing it that way doesn't mean that's that's the direction he's calling for us. Because typically, the direction God is calling you to is the direction that nobody else is going. Man, if y'all bored today, I can't help you because <laughs> he's just, it's God, y'all. In this passage of Mark 20, uh, 2, 23, what's so funny to me is that Jesus just finished teaching them the principle that you can't take a new experience and put it into an old habit. Then these religious people walked right into what God, what Jesus just said should not be happening. Talking about, you're not supposed to be working on the Sabbath. I heard that all my life. I felt like if I cranked my mower and started mowing my yard on a Sunday that I was going to die and go to hell. I did. Because dad was, it's the Sabbath. Y'all remember, y'all remember those days? Let me tell you something. If that's the only day I got, and, I, and I, I think about it today, I'm like, people know in my neighborhood I'm a pastor. Look at pastor out there cutting on the Sabbath. <laughs> that's old skin. <laughs> I'm going to be careful. I'm not, I, I can't. I, I had something, but that probably was me and not the Holy Spirit. I'm going to keep that inside. See, some of y'all need to learn that art too. Yeah, but it was feeling good. It had to have been God. No, I know my flesh. He's, Jesus is talking to the keepers of the law, the Pharisees, and these religious people were watching the disciples pick grain, but they were doing it on the Sabbath. The law says no man is supposed to work on the Sabbath. What's happening? The religious people immediately went back to old skin. See, Jesus isn't law. That's why a lot of people don't want to come to church because they feel like there's a, it's just a list of, it's, just a, it's, a, it's a gathering where you got a bunch of laws you got to follow. Listen, traditions. Listen, Jesus came to fulfill the law. They are still holding on to the Sabbath as a day of rest. We know Jesus as our rest. Jesus said, he said in that verse, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, meaning I am greater than that. You're caught up on the Sabbath. I'm greater than that. My covenant is greater than that law. And you can't put me inside that. Meaning you can't take Jesus and put your old habits and, 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 and put him in your old habits and traditions. 
I said all that to say whenever God is wanting to do something new, he has to, something has to be built to support it and to hold it. Amen. I'm getting ready to wind down. I'm almost there. Not yet. I'm almost there. I want to make this statement. As I look at the condition of our nation and the position of the church as a whole, the church, big C, I got to be honest, the church needs revival. I heard this a long time ago from a pastor. I'll just throw it in here right here. Revival is not when the world gets right. Revival is when the church gets right. But let me tell you something about revival. Revival is not something at the beginning of the year we open up the master church calendar and go, when are we going to have revival? Uh, I think we'll put it, I think we'll put it um, in, the, in August, maybe the third week of August. What you're saying is I'm going to schedule revival. I'm going to schedule a move of God. I mean, if we're going to talk about what revival is, what is it? I'm fixing to share with you. You can't put revival on a calendar. And then what happens is we've done this so much that if he does, if God doesn't move on our schedule, then I'm going to help him a little bit. (laughs) I'm going to make things move. Watch it now. Holy Spirit don't need no help. He can knock me down, hang me upside down. He can do whatever he wants to as long as it's the Lord. And I know the difference between somebody in the flesh and I know the presence of the Lord. And I will protect you. That is, that is my responsibility to protect you. Listen, we need revival. In the American church, we'll do everything we can to jumpstart a move of God. Listen, what we need to learn about true revival is revival is a season. Everybody say season. Season. Revival is a short span of time between two seasons, old and new. It's the short span of time between two wineskins. Example, if you were brought into the emergency room, because your heart stopped beating, they would put, I, I learned this week, they don't use, I called Sarah, I was like, hey, can Shans hook me up with some paddles? She said, uh, B, we haven't used paddles in years. I was like, what do y'all use? These little sticky things. I said, okay, whatever works. If my heart, if my heart stops and I, they bring me in, I don't care what you use as long as it starts beating again. Hello. But if you got brought into the hospital, what do they do? They, they prep you, get you ready. I'm, I'm going to go back to the old school, old skin. That's all I know. They don't, and and what do they do? In hopes that your heart will start pattern again, right? They don't hold it down on you for five years. Revive. Revival is is a season in between two skins. Are you tracking me? I kind of alluded to it a moment ago when I said we like to. Uh, I'll be there in just a minute. Hold on. I got, I got to do this in order. What do they do? They bring the charge. And what happens out of that experience? You probably know somebody who's been char- had to be charged before. What happens? Out of that experience, 99.9% of the time, they live differently because of the experience. <laughs> They would have died forever if they would have been held down. But because they got to 
charge. They live differently. Some of them eat differently. They have new habits. Why? Out of that experience of being revived. And the same is true with God. He wants to come in in a moment, but change you forever. Most people don't want revival because they're like, man, B, I can't go to church every night of the week for seven nights for five months. Y'all ever seen those? I'm not picking on nobody if you know somebody who does. I'm just, I'm just saying. Listen, God doesn't want to send a move of God at the expense of your marriage. Why aren't we doing more in the church, Pastor Bradley? It is my responsibility to make sure, make sure we maintain a healthy pace. Y'all see me shaking? That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit, y'all. I'm telling you. Because that's embarrassing. And sometimes the, the God will use you to do embarrassing things. I, I got the clock. Y'all stay with me. I'm, I'm, I know where we are. Do you know where you are? You're on the brink of something new. That is not the what God intended for revival. He will not send a move at the expense of your marriage, at the expense of a relationship with your kids, at the expense of family time, and at the expense of your health and sanity. That is not a move of God, period. When God revives us, we live different, and out of that experience, we are changed. The whole purpose of today's talk is to get you to a place to recognize there is a need in each one of our lives. There's an area in each one of our lives that God needs to revive. That's the purpose of why I've been up here spittering and sputtering. It's because there's an area in your life that needs to be... In closing, told you. I can't believe I got all through that. I, I, yes, sir. Listen... Revival is not a seven-night church event that was premeditated and pre-planned on a calendar. True revival is an unplanned experience with God that causes us to live different and to build something that will sustain the new wine that God wants to pour into each one of us. Now, just because I said in closing and they brought the music, those of y'all that have been with us at release, you know, he's really going to bring the plane down. And I am, but don't tune out because the best is right here. This would be like if you're on an airplane and they brought you the snacks as you're landing. Second Kings chapter 6. This may or it, it will be on the screen. I, was, I couldn't remember. They're going for somebody. One day, one day the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. <laughs> I received that in Jesus' name. Let's go down to the Jordan River where they are, there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them. Let me, let me skip on down to verse 4. It says, so he went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down the trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was borrowed. <laughs> where did it fall, the man of God asked. When he showed him the place... Elisha cut a stick, threw it into the water at the spot, and the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said, and the man reached out and grabbed it. 
Theologians believed that what they were building was a school <clears throat> for the prophets. And this guy is chopping down. He's chopping down. This is very antiquish. So I'm not going to swing it because I don't want anything to fall off. It's not sharp either. I wouldn't do anything. Ooh, that'll preach. I'll get there in a minute. You look like you could do something, but you ain't got no edge. Okay, that was, that, that'll be there in just a minute. He's, 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 he, he's, he's cutting, and all of a sudden, as he's cutting, his axe head falls into the water, and all he's left with is a stick. So immediately, he runs to the man of God. This was borrowed, just like this was. This belonged to your great-grandmother, Connor. Or your grandfather, I'm sure. I don't know. Nami might have been out there doing it. I don't know. She might have been out there at, at the corner of at, at, at Hardy Town. But how silly would it have looked for him to keep on without no edge? But many of us are doing that today. Tradition. I've always done this. I've always used this. But you're not making any progress. Maybe you're sitting here today and you feel like the guy swinging the axe, trying to build a life for yourself and your family. And you're swinging, but you're not making any headway because something's missing. You lost your edge. Or some of you lost your head. When he lost the axe head, he went to Elisha. In another translation, it says that Elisha asked him these words, take me to the place where you lost it, your edge. I'll never forget when I was growing up in Toccoa, Georgia. Actually, it was East Denali, Georgia. I lived with my mom and my stepdad at that time. And he would have us out in the backyard splitting wood I'm not I know y'all like we want to see if you're going to do it will he do it I'm going to save myself the embarrassment because I got an electric one at the house <laughs> dad left it I'll just plug it in that's like a whooshing a whooshing a whooshing but for demonstration purposes when you're chopping wood it's not really your strength anyway. They'll tell you it's, it's all in the edge. It's like, it's like golf. I just went from this to golf. I mean, it's in my hands. I can never play golf. Y'all know why? Because I'm too wound up. I'll be like, okay, because they say, what do they say? Um, uh, uh, let, let the club, what, huh? Let the club work. And I'll be like, okay, I'm going to let the club work. But by the time I draw back, bless God, I'm going to kill that ball. Right? And what's it going to do? It just pip, falls right off the little stick and just dribbles away. That's why B ain't going to the golf course, because I got too much juice. Y'all play, play that game. I, I go to the gym. <laughs> I know you for real? Really? It's a work in progress? Okay, let me get back. I'm, it's still not even 12 o'clock yet. I'm doing good. Maybe you're in this room, and you feel like you're expending energy 
but you're still in the same place in your marriage. You're still in the same place in the relationships uh, with your kids. You're still in the same place financially because you've lost your edge. The man of God told the man told him to take him to the place where he lost it and then he told him to pick it up. Notice that. The man of God gave him instruction. The man of God didn't say, "Take me to where it's at and I'll get it for you." Some of y'all going to have to pick up what you lost, but you got to go to the, back to the place where you lost it. You're going to have to go back to the place where you were hurt. You're going to have to go back to the place where you were abused. You're going to have to go back to the place where there's unforgiveness because it's there that you lost your edge. You, lost, you no longer are who you were at one time. Now you're just, I'm a Christian, but I'm old and I feel battered. That's because you lost your edge. Go back to the place where you lost it. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but somebody needs to go back. All the man of God, all the man of God had to do, all he did, where'd it go? All he had to do is help it to resurface. And today, just as I said, unforgiveness, abuse, I don't know what it is. It was in that moment that it resurfaced. And God, and if I could, I'd, I'd put it, but it won't because it, it's been, it's been connect, disconnected for a long. It's been disconnected for so long, it got warped and it will no longer fit. If you stay disconnected for too long, it's going to feel weird. But I'm here today to tell you that he makes all things new. He makes all things new. What's happened? You've lost your edge. Maybe you come to a service and like this and you're like, you're looking around the room and like, man, they look like they're really enjoying it. They're really getting something out of this, but I'm just not feeling it. You've lost your edge. And today God wants to give you your edge back. What is revival? When God crushes what is and what was so that he can build in you and get you ready for what's next. If you've never invited Jesus into your life and accepted him as savior, I'm going to be honest. You've been going through life. Hitting life with no edge. Because Jesus is, ed, is our edge. He's edgy too. That's why when, when words of knowledge and words of wisdom come out from these moments together around his word. The reason they cut is because he's trying to use his edge to sever the things that have attached themselves to you. So on the count of three, if you're here today and you say, you know what? I need my edge back. I need my edge back. Well, I'm going to pray for you. But I need you to go back to the place where you lost it. And if there's unforgiveness, you got to cover it in the blood, same blood that was covered for you and your mistakes. Why do you forgive? Because, because at some point you're going to need forgiveness. I promise. And you'll withhold forgiveness unless you first forgive others on the count of three you want your edge back want your edge back want your edge back on the count of three one two three 
Who wants the edge back? Who wants the edge back? Who wants the edge back? Want your edge back? Want your edge back? Stand to your feet. Adam, get ready. You're going to come close this out in prayer. Matter of fact, you're going to, you're going to lead him in this prayer over them. Okay? Tap into your spirit. I'm done. I want, you, want your edge back. Can I tell you something? Some of y'all gonna have to. Some of y'all have to lay down how it's always been and how you've always had it and how, what makes you feel comfortable. Because guess what? What makes you feel comfortable ain't getting the job done. It's time to get your edge back. It's time to get a little edgy for the kingdom. It's time to get a little edgy in your house. Time to get a little edgy on your job. Time to, it's time to. It's time to be not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because the Bible said it is the power of God unto salvation. Get your edge back. Get your edge back. Get your edge back. Well, thanks again for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. For more content from Release City or just to stay connected with us, be sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms at Release City Church or through our website at releasecitychurch.org. We love you. And until next time, the best is yet to come.